welcome to the first ever episode of the Understanding Men podcast, which is basically two guys talking about the things that men could, but probably don't talk about anywhere near enough. I'm Luke Sutton, and I'm with my great friend, Fraser Franks, and we are finally here for this first ever episode. I must admit, I'm quite nervous. We've had a few full starts to get here, but we're finally here for the first episode This is a step into the unknown for us, but I can promise you a few things. It's going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be interesting. Fraser and I are going to be as open and honest as we possibly can. I think we're probably going to laugh a lot. There's a very good chance that I could cry at some point and maybe I can make Fraser cry. We'll see how we go. But it's going to be a lot of fun all around and we really hope you guys get a lot from it. So, without further ado, Fraser, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just about settling in and relaxing into this conversation because, as you say, <laughs> there's been a few false starts. We've uh, This isn't the first time we've sat down smoothly and got things going. <laughs> there's been issues with microphones and internet, and this won't be my regular background as I'm away uh, with the family in Italy at the minute. And We were due to record yesterday, but I forgot a little adapter, so we had to postpone for another 24 hours. But the main thing is we're here, nice and present. And as you say, you know, the, the main thing is, um, you know, I've, I've taken so much from the conversations I've had with you um, and I've been able to, you know, safely open up about all number of things, you know, many different emotional conversations, which I probably haven't had before. And I know how much it's benefited me and you've said the same. So hopefully we can get more and more people talking. And as you said, feel safe enough to do this with your mates in a pub or on a podcast or wherever it might be. But yeah, the main thing is we're, we're here and we're ready to go now. Well, I think probably for this first episode, why don't we introduce ourselves? There will be people listening who will probably know a bit about us, but there may well be people who know nothing about us. So let's introduce ourselves and I guess why we're doing this mad and wonderful thing. So Fraser, over to you. I always struggle to do this and I think we'll come on to it later, but I always put myself in a box. If someone said to me for the last 20 odd years, you know, who are you? The first thing I'd say is, you know, my name's Fraser Franks. I'm a professional footballer, but I haven't got that anymore. And since then, <laughs> I've always found it pretty difficult to introduce myself or say who I am, what I do. And that's been a big part of my journey. But I suppose if I was to say anything about myself now, I would first and foremost say that I, I am a dad, I'm a husband. I am a former professional footballer, but I wear many different hats now and I, I try and help many different people in my in my career. But I'm also much more interested in not just defining myself by a career. It's the things that I enjoy. It's the things that I believe in, which at the minute I love, you know, good food. I love yoga. I love movement. I love, you know, helping people. I've delved into the world of addiction and find a real purpose in trying to help people with that element as well. But I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. I'm, you know, a relatively young guy. And uh, yeah, if anyone that follows me on Instagram will notice that probably every couple of weeks, my bio changes because I'm like, do I label myself that? Am I this? Am I that? And I probably think too much about, you know, who I who I actually am. But, you know, I'm, I'm still figuring out a lot. But um, in a roundabout way, that's that's my my journey. Nice. Guess over to me. I'm I'm an ex professional cricketer. Uh, I played for I can never quite remember sixteen or seventeen seasons, which was feels like a long time. I'm a father. I'm a 
partner. I'm an ex-husband. I guess I'm just a, a guy trying to be the best I can be in the world, having made lots and lots of mistakes throughout my life and learn a great deal about myself and, and how I operate in the world. I feel like you, though, I'm not, I know we've got a lot in common, actually, and I'll, I'll kind of come on to that in a minute. But that, that ex-professional sport bit, is definitely going to be something that we talk about throughout this podcast. It's, it's been a huge part of our lives, but I, I really don't define myself in that way anymore. It, it definitely feels like a person in the past, even mm. though it was me, obviously. And um, and I don't want it to also sound, I definitely don't want this podcast to come over like we're preaching holier than thou. We've got all the answers to everything. We, we really don't. You know what, this, is, this podcast is just going to be kind of real-time conversations between me and Fraser working out the world and, and just going into subjects which which men don't do very often. But I think that's very much my life right now, you know? It's just working at working it out, trying to be the best I can be. I've had difficulties, well-publicized difficulties with addiction and mental health in the past, and that's still very much part of my life. And I, I guess I'll kick this off. You know, why, why, why are we doing... Why am I doing this podcast? Well... And there's a couple things, couple of things for me. One, I, I'm not, I, I, I don't have a massive circle of friends. I'm just not that way inclined. I'm not that, I'm not an extrovert. I can be very introverted. I have a really close knit group of people around me who I adore and I feel safe with. And I can get quite, quite insular in my life. I can get it's just by my nature I'm just not that sort of person who's out there bouncing between friend groups and things like that and I found in my in my friendship with you Fraser without embarrassing each other you know we have we do have conversations that I don't have with other people and and it's a massive outlet for me to be able to talk about things that otherwise I might have just blocked up and so the podcast is is I guess an ability to be able to share that and and I, I do recognize that that insular nature of myself isn't always healthy and there needs to be an outlet. So I feel like, and I'm an avid podcast listener, you know, I'm going on long runs and I love listening to a podcast. So I guess this is my version of doing that in a way. And the second point, which, which, is, which I'm really passionate about is I, I've got a daughter and in, um, in recent years, that the movement towards female empowerment has been amazing. And, and obviously, Fraser, you have a daughter as well. And it's been incredible. I love it. And I love the world that she's going to grow up in as a, as a powerful, well, she can be whatever she wants, woman. I, I love the, the work that's been done in that area. But one thing I do think that's maybe suffered is that we might have left behind a few young men in that. And there's not been enough guidance to teenagers young men within that and and you see someone like an Andrew Tate pop up and he gets massive interaction and he gets massive engagement from young young men and for those of you who don't know Andrew Tate we'll, we'll talk about him in another time and th- this podcast is is not about Andrew Tate as such it's just an example but he's a guy that's that that came jumped on the social media scene and very powerful views about what it is to be a man and how to treat women and being a man in the modern world. And I just watched the level of engagement this guy immediately got. And I was like, we've left behind young men who are have no guidance. We've we've focused so much on female empowerment. We've we've we, there's a real danger that there's a kind of 
a generational uh, group of young uh, men, boys, teenagers who feel a little bit left behind. And so if we can do anything to, to readdress that, I think, I think that would be really, really powerful. Mm. What about you, Fraze? Those are two real big reasons for me as well. I, I really relate to the, the introverted side. I'm not someone that's going to be, I probably felt quite ashamed at times that I wasn't, you know, the life and soul of the, every party and unless I had alcohol and then I could become that and I could become that person that maybe I deep down inside when I was younger wanted to be, but it, it isn't me. And now I'm really comfortable being me. Um, and I'm a prime example of that is I'm away on holiday with a big group of family at the minute, probably the first time we've ever done it like this. And my brother is quite an extrovert. And I even found myself after all the work that I've done and that I do on myself looking and going, should I, should I be doing that? You know, should I be doing what he's doing and making more of an effort to be the life and soul and the joker? But, but then coming back going, I've, you know, I, I've, I do my, my part, but we have different personalities and I, I don't need to compete or be the funny uncle. I can be exactly who I am. But I think a lot of people get caught up in that a little bit. But I, I, I do struggle with introvert and extrovert as well because I can be quite extroverted if I'm around a safe enough group of people to be myself. But in general, if I walk into a room and I'm introduced to new people, I'm quite reserved. And I, I, exactly like you, I think with my work as well, which... Sometimes it's going in presenting to a big group of people, but actually isn't engaging with them one-to-one and actually having really deep conversations. Then it can be a lot of travel. It can be a lot of working alone or working from home. I find that the days where I maybe have a little bit of a lull or I'm a bit down, I probably have lacked that social interaction. You know, you might be surrounded by a group of people, but you're not actually having those conversations. And the only place I've ever been able to have these conversations is in sort of group therapy meetings or with a handful of men that I've been able to sort of accumulate in my life as pretty much like mentors, but friends and you being, you know, the prime example of one of those. And just looking at those guys and, and going, right, what is it about their life that I really want to take or that I really admire? And there's a bit of a common theme with with all these men and they they seem pretty relaxed. They seem pretty chilled. They seem content. They don't go around with this massive ball of resentment and anger. And it seems as if they've done quite a bit of work on themselves. And then you'll get, like you, you mentioned, Andrew Tate there. There's a lot of young, insecure men. And I feel like there are certain influences, especially of social media, that are just preying on those insecurities. And we all had them as young men growing up. I was extremely body, comfort, uh, body conscious growing up, you know, watching pornography, thinking, why don't I look like that? Being a skinny guy, being quite short and then having a growth spurt at sort of 17, going to an all boys school, not really talking to girls or kissing girls or having relationships with girls whilst thinking I should be doing that, but not having, you know, keeping that all bottled up inside and thinking there's something wrong with me here. I'm not, I'm not like everyone else. And I know so many young men or young lads will be feeling like that. And then you get an influence going, it's not your fault. It's, you know, women should be doing this and preying on that insecurity. Whereas if you have conversations like this, and I think this is one of the prime reasons I get so much from conversations like this, but someone listening 
could get equally as much and then maybe take that into their friendship group and open up a bit more. And since I've managed to do this with the likes of yourself and in groups, I've noticed a big difference in me, but then I've, I've also noticed a difference in, you know, me looking at my friendship group and thinking, blimey, I've, I've known these for 20 years and I've never even spoken about sex or what their relationship's like or what this is like or what their worries are and insecurities are. And noticing that a lot of my friendships have been quite surface level. But now I've come out and I've started talking about these things. Even in the last year, I've had friends come to me with drug issues and relationship issues and money issues and things that they've been pushing down with drink, drugs, gambling. They now have someone safe enough to come and talk to. And I can't be someone that solves everyone's problems, but it's really nice knowing you're not on your own or having a friend you can talk to about this. And that's what I want to try and, you know, help men with. We've both spoken about alcohol and addiction issues. Sometimes men can only be emotional when they've had a drink or when they're, they only hug their mate or kiss them when a goal's gone in at the football. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we can, so we can take this mask down a little bit and, you know, yeah. you know, change what it, what society deems to be, what a real man is and what this man is. And if we can put any kind of dent in that, um, you know, through these conversations, then, that's more than enough for me to have some stress over microphone issues and uh, <laughs> four attempts to set it up. But now that's that's a big reason why I'm here for sure. There's a couple of things I kind of want to add on to that. Is I, I think when I hear you talking like that, it really re- makes me reflect on my journey as a man and how and it, part of that comes from professional sport and the changing room environment but but not all of it I you know I think that was just our environment that can exist in an office it can exist in you know whatever it might be but the point I want to make is I think that that old traditional construct of of what people think a man is can be a really lonely place because you you're essentially meant to have all the answers you know you're the provider you're the protector you're the strength you're the leader you're unflappable, you're all, all of these sorts of things, which I think by nature, men want to be. I genuinely think that we want that. We, we that That's, I don't know where that comes from. Someone much more intelligent can tell me, but I think men do want to feel like that. But the old construct is that there can be no vulnerability in that. There can be no break in that. You're either a strong man or you're not. And I think that's the trap that we've got into is that old construct is like, you have to be, and I don't, I, I actually don't feel that comfortable keep going back to him, but it's just because we brought him up, Andrew Tate. It's like, you either have to be that or you're a weak man. That's a myth. Is you can mm. be a strong man. You can be a really strong man, but it doesn't mean you have to get aggressive. Mm. It doesn't mean you have to shout at people. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers all the time. And, you know, you can cry once in a while and express an insecurity and and all of those things can be true all at once. But often when you get like polarized positions, that becomes really binary, doesn't it? So you're either a strong man or you're a weak man. And I think that's the trap that we fall into. And that can be a really lonely place Mm. for people because for, for young men, because they can be sat there in their heads going, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like that. So am I failing as a man? And, you know, the the suicide rates for men in their early 40s is still staggeringly high, staggeringly high. And that's, that's you know, something that we've got to address in a big way. And I, I totally understand that as well. And, you, you know, you, I feel like I have felt 
at times what it's like to feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders and that I'm worried about this and worried about that. A lot of men are worried about, you know, money and jobs and a lot of us project into the future and not knowing what's going to happen next year and how am I going to provide for this or how am I going to do that or my wife's not happy or this isn't going well, that isn't going well. And whenever I've spoken to friends or other men that have, you know, and you've said, why haven't you spoken to anyone about this? 99% of the answers have been, well, I don't want to burden my partner or I don't want to put all my problems onto them. You know, they've got enough on their plate. That's, that's, that often it comes from a good place of, right, I don't actually want to shift all of this onto someone else, but we have to, you know, reframe that. You're not shifting all your problems onto your spouse or onto your mom or whatever it might be. But then it's about other men being able to do that for you and you being able to do that for them. And I've known that it's, I, I saw a really good um, like visual representation of this, of like a backpack with bricks, and just filling up your backpack with bricks and it's like insecurities, relationships, monies, whatever it might be. And you're just filling up them bricks. And if you talk to a friend, so if I talk to you and I talk about sex or money or masculinity, right, that's a brick that I'm now getting out of that backpack and I'm putting it on the table and I'm not resting it back there and it's weighing me down. I'm not, you know, I'm not giving it to you to weigh you down. I'm just putting it out there. And I know that even physically, the difference that that can make to me after a conversation where I've, you know, I've, I've often come to you with advice or something that's really personal and thinking, right, who do I, who can I actually talk to about this? And often in my life, I haven't had anyone because the closest people to me have been my mum and my wife. And I haven't felt safe to go to them with my issues because I want to be seen as the one with, I've got it all together. I'm looking after them and trying to assume that male role. But this is this is what I believe, you know, your mates are for. This is what your friends are for. This is what other groups of men can be for. And again, we spoke about the influence in the media and the word masculinity is, is being thrown all over the place at the minute. And I don't think enough people are really looking into what that means as well. They think that means alpha male and you've got to dominate and you've got to do this. You've got, and that isn't, it's redefining that. And um yeah, hopefully the more spaces there are like this that sort of go against the grain and people can go, actually, oh, yeah, why can't I talk to my friends like that? Or why can't we have that conversation? Or I'll just try it and see if my friend is uh, open enough to listen to it. And sometimes you will get shut down if someone isn't maybe ready to, but I'm sure everyone in their life, whether it is a group that they might end up going to or new friends or relationships or partners or parents, whatever it might be, you know, the people that love you will be there for you and have these conversations. And it's just about feeling safe enough to, you know, to go and do that. Mm. Yeah. And I, do you know what to start with? I think we can have those conversations for people. Mm. You know, we can have the one where they're like, oh, I need to talk about that, but I don't know where to. And we can do it. Do you know what I think we need to do, Fraser? We do need to explain to people how we have met and how we are where we are because we're sat here just, you know, casually on a podcast together. But I, I guess our story of how we, we've we got here is pretty remarkable. Mm. And I, you take it away. Yeah, I, I do find it remarkable. And I'm I'm someone that um, is, is quite a spiritual person and I... I don't believe in coincidences. I, I believe that there are certain messages or 
things that are out there that you're meant to hear at a certain time. And they don't really make sense if you try and break them down and say it to somebody. It doesn't quite make sense, but it's just what I believe. And, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of you before. I'm not a huge cricket fan, so I'd never heard of who you are. Sorry if that dents your ego. I know you're an amazing, I know you're an amazing cricket player. I've been that told really many times. Um, <laughs> but I, I hadn't. And um, I was at a point where I had to retire from football. It's four years ago now through a heart condition. And my career stopped instantly after that. And I went into a pattern of drinking really heavily to just to escape my mind because it was on overdrive. I was I was completely worried. I actually finished my football career in debt. So a lot of people looked at me as, oh, he's a professional footballer, he's set for life. I played in League Two for most of my career. So my mates that were plumbers and builders were often earning more than me, but my job looked a bit fancier. So I had huge worries about money. I was living away from family. We were living in, uh, near Cardiff at the time. Um, my wife was seven months pregnant, so I was expecting our first child. And just all this stuff was just racing through. What do I do next? Who, what am I, who am I? And I started to drink really heavily for it, probably about 18 months. And it really affected you know, my, my health and my relationships. And I didn't like the person I was becoming. And people would often comment, you know, saying that I'd changed a little bit or that I was drinking too much. And I knew that I was, and I started hiding alcohol around the house because um, I didn't want people knowing how much I drank and didn't want my wife judging me. When I went out, it became a bit of a liability and that that drunk that I'd never been. And I wanted to, to, to stop drinking, but I just carried on going back to those, those cycles. Anyway, I, I got to a point where I reached out for help through Sport and Chance and started seeing a counsellor. I stopped drinking for a few weeks and then like any person that has struggled with alcohol or addiction, a little voice crept up thinking, right, you've learned your lesson now. You can moderate your drinking. So I set myself a drinking rule of, right, I'll only have two. So I can still have the couple of beers or glass of wine with, with Stacey. And that kept, I kept that up for a couple of weeks. And then I, I had, I went out with friends and I had a couple of drinks and in the first, after you know, 20 minutes, those, those two drinks had gone. Someone said, go and have another one. And I said, no, two drink rule. And they made a comment like, oh, don't be boring. And I had another one and I got paralytic that night. And I really let myself down and my wife down. And a few days before this, I was still lost in terms of what I was going to do for a career. And I typed in on Amazon books about being a sports agent. And yours was the first one that came up, said Luke Sutton, how to become an agent. So I just thought, right, I'll click it, I'll order it. And on that morning that I was hung over um, after I'd let myself down having those drinks and said I'd never go more than two again, I'm walking out the house and an Amazon driver literally hands me a parcel as I'm walking out. So exact same time in, as I'm leaving for this drive. So I put it on my seat and I opened it up and it was your book. And I, I always listen to podcasts on journeys and I had about two hours in the car feeling horrendous, not talking to my wife. And I, I just typed your name in on, on a podcast just to see a bit more about you and the book that I was reading. And your podcast with Simon Thomas came up and I was thinking you were going to be talking about life as an agent and the deals that you've done and the people that you're working with. But it was just your life story. And after about five minutes, I was just captivated by it. And it was as if you told my story. So all your fears and worries and insecurities and your upbringing and your career and some of the traumas that you'd had in your life. I listened to it and I've still got the messages on my phone where I, I pulled over and I cried my eyes out 
which I don't do often. And I messaged my wife and said, right, this is, you know, this is, this is the moment I'm changing. I've just listened to this podcast. And you had said at the end of it, I tried the two drink rule. I tried just wine. I tried just beers. I tried no shots. I tried this. And at the end of it, you said, I cannot drink safely and I cannot moderate. And you said you were 10 years sober and you just sounded so happy and content and you had this new family and you had brilliant relationships. And I was like, that, that is what I want. And you know, all, if I listened to it on a different day, it might have just gone in one ear and out the other. But that exact timing when I needed it, it just fell into, literally fell into my lap and I, I came across you. And um, yeah, I've never touched a drop of alcohol since. It's been, you know, over two years. And off the back of that, I was, I was quite ashamed when I first stopped drinking and no one knew about it. And I didn't want anyone knowing that I had an issue with alcohol. But after about six months, I went into talk sport and I'd been on there a couple of times before. And they, they'd asked me to talk about alcohol and I came out and I opened up about my issues with alcohol. And I remember you messaged me because I'd, I'd said I'd listened to this guy, Luke Sutton. Um, and, and I remember you'd messaged me afterwards and someone had sent you a clip. And just from there, we started talking. And, you know, fast my forward. My phone had gone nuts, by the way. Yeah, because yeah, people had, had started passing it on to you. And from there, you know, we we talked on social media and you'd sent me your other book, which I loved and I got a lot from. And we've just been, you know, we started exchanging messages and then we met up and we, you know, you've become one of the closest people to me. And, you know, our families went out to, on holiday together and two years on from that podcast, we're doing our own one. So it's quite a bizarre story how we've ended up here. But um, <laughs> I just feel so fortunate that I came across that at that exact same time, you know not just with alcohol, but just what it's given me since then with the friendship with, you know, with you. And there were, you know, there's been things that have happened in that last couple of years where you've been the first person. I thought, right, I need a bit of help here. Luke's, Luke's the first person I'm going to call. And just, it just feels so comfortable, like safe and secure having that one person that doesn't judge you on the end of the phone if you've got an issue or you've got a problem. And that whole story and what it's given me is, is absolutely priceless and something I've never had before. Well, mate, it, 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 um, so there's a story it, for you. <laughs> there is a story. Yeah. But do you know what it, it um, it's same for me, you know, I don't know why the world put us together, why, why those, those, all those things slotted into place, but it's, it's the same for me, you know, just, um, I guess this is a kind of example, isn't it? Two men kind of <laughs> expressing heterosexual men, expressing their gratitude for a friendship is, is actually quite difficult to do sometimes but no I gain as much from it as you do you know my friend it's like I know if I was in trouble I'd give you a call it, it wouldn't be a problem and um I don't know why we got it got put this way but here we are now on this mm. podcast doing our things which is amazing I guess let's like let's try and chat a little bit about the podcast and what's to come up so you know, to give people a bit of a feel for it. So first, it's going to be a weekly podcast, which um, puts us under a bit of pressure to make sure we get our... Now we've done this first one, we should be all right with the technical uh, issues. But yeah, weekly podcast. You know, we're going to have some guests on as well at different times, I think, uh, which will be really fun. I'm actually... One of the things that I'm looking forward to is, is getting our wives on at some point, which will be interesting to, to give... Uh, the, the understanding men topic at another <laughs> angle, which would be great. But what 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 sort of topics are you are you mainly looking forward to diving into, Fraser? 
yeah, I, I'm looking forward to having guests on. But I also, I, I love like the weekly thing with, with me and you is just like a bit of accountability to have these conversations. So even if no one listens, like, I'm, I'm gaining an awful lot from this. But I think, you know, some of the ones that, you know, some of the uncomfortable ones that we've spoken about, which maybe I haven't spoken about with, with other people. I think I get a lot of men coming to me now. I've talked about alcohol saying, I, I know that alcohol is a big thing in my life where, that's causing me a lot of issues. Um, but I worry that I'm not going to be able to enjoy life without it or de-stress or have fun with my friends or go to weddings or parties. So that might be one element, you know, men not feeling like they have to get drunk or do a line of cocaine to have a good time, you know, and, and that kind of thing. I, I really want to talk about being a dad and being a husband because those are, those sometimes get overlooked for me. I think um, even in my own head, sometimes I think a lot about, you know, what I'm doing next in terms of career or meeting this person or doing that or achieving this or building that. Sometimes I forget to do such planning or putting that much thought into what I'm doing at home and wanting to be as present as I can playing with my daughter and her toys, not on my phone thinking about something else or thinking, I don't really want to be sat down here. And and having that, I've talked about this before, but having that dad guilt of sometimes you feel really guilty for saying, for saying no to your children or going to work or leaving them in the house behind. And I also think the the male and female dynamic in a in a in a in parents is is quite an interesting one for me. I've struggled before. My wife does all the DIY in the house. She loves it and she's really good at it. <laughs> but it, re- it at times it's made me feel like I should be doing this. Like I, I'm the man, and you know, as the man, that should be my job. And I know a lot of a lot of people think as the man, I should be the provider, or I should do this, or I should do that. And having these healthy conversations about it. And, and as you say, not saying we're going to come out and say, this is what you should do. It's saying we don't have the answers. This is mm. this is my experience. This is your experience. I'm sure my wife will have a, a very interesting experience on, on this podcast as well, <laughs> which I'll be uh, <laughs> slightly worried about. But no, it's, it's having these conversations. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot that I... I'm really passionate about in terms of men because, as you know, you mentioned those suicide statistics before. Mm. I think a lot of people are just carrying the weight of the world, you know, within them and having, you know, feeling like they aren't on their own or feeling like not all of your mates have got it all together. They haven't all got the perfect Instagram relationship. They haven't all got the perfect body or doing this or doing that. And I think removing that bravado between men and actually saying what we think is a, is a really important one for me. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think from my side, I really want to dive into kind of the male insecurities, really. There's, there's quite a lot of tangents with that, but I just, and obviously a lot of this is born from our own experiences, but I can't, you know, I was in a, a changing room with full of alpha males in, in professional sport and, you know, the the impact that that had on my perspective of intimacy and sex was massive. I, I, I'm happy to, well, I don't know if happy is the right word, but I, you know, I, I'm open to admit that, you know, I don't think many, I don't, I don't think many men in those situations really want to admit that, but I, I can because it gave me a really dysfunctional view of, of what intimacy was all about. And that kind of, men butting heads sort of 
trying to pretend like they all know the answers to to what sex is all about and all this kind of stuff. And actually, yeah, most of the time I was there going, I don't know what's going on here. And, you know, I, and I, but you're in that alpha male scenario and, you know, and I, I, I think both of us have had people approach us sort of saying, well, you know, now you guys don't drink, you know, how do you have sex if you don't drink? And how do you, you know, how do you talk to people if you don't drink? And all of these sort of really difficult, but, healthy things to talk about yeah. I, I'm really I'm looking forward to diving in there I, I think also insecurities around money for men I think is really big status you mm. know that 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 why do we always talk about what you do you know like we've both had that buzz where people in the past have said to us what do you do and we say oh I play professional football I'm professional. and you get that immediate reaction don't you people go oh that's really interesting yep. you must be an interesting and but this that status around things you know which is just bullshit isn't it really mm. it's just rubbish and but i want to dive into that i think the fatherhood one is definitely interesting i'm a father and a stepfather and i'm a father from a divorced marriage and i have had massive of masses of experiences around that of worries of insecurities of and I just sit here now, I, I think I've been divorced nearly five years or something along those lines. And, and I look back on it and my experience of being a father and a stepfather has taught me so much about being a father. What, and I realized how much I needed to learn, you know, and how much I really need to understand about what it means to be a dad. And I really want to dive into that because, I again, yeah. I think... I'm grateful for my experiences, but I think then I think, well, there must be men out there who haven't had those experiences who who might be suffering and kind of going, oh, am I getting this right? I, and Christ, I think a lot of parenting is sitting there thinking, am I getting this right? But yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I th- I, the other side of it is, uh, you brought it up with me the other day um, when we were talking about this, is kind of male role models in our lives and what that looks like and who's influenced us and why and I think that's a really interesting subject, you know, and, um, but, you know, one of, one of the things I'd say to everybody listening is we want to have the conversations that you want us to have. So we're going to throw it out there and dive into deep, the most uncomfortable things and, and go for it, but find us on social media and message us comment. We're going to be promoting our podcast on our own social, this podcast on our own social media. So let's make it as interactive as possible. If there's something that you want us to talk about, then, then we'll happily talk about it. No dramas at all. That's that's one I definitely want to talk about, Luke. Is, is the the male influences on us? Um, and I think a lot of us, we in whatever walk of life, we collect all these experiences as we grow up and as we develop. And I, I you know, I, I do a lot of yoga at the minute, and not not sort of the physical side of yoga, but the philosophy behind it. Um, and they're called some samskaras. So it's like all the experiences that we collect, then we store and we use them as like a reaction to things that go on in everyday life. So if you look at someone that's got road rage, for instance, you know, that often it isn't, it isn't actually the incident of someone driving slowly in front of them. It's this really build up of things that have happened. And that's a safe outlet. You look at football fans, in a stadium that I, I often go to games and I look and I think, how could someone be this angry at that decision? Mm. But you look and it's like yeah. this, instead of a conversation like this, that's their safe space for all their worries and insecurities and anger and resentments that they've got. 
I could just shout here and get it all out in a safe space. But this is the healthy one because that you're not actually dealing with any issues. When you come to a space like this, and I carried a lot of anger and resentment about certain male influences in my life growing up and had a lot of anger and harmful, you know, wishing harm on them and stuff like that. And, you know, most people would look at me and go, yeah, rightly so. If they did that, I'd, I'd be angry. But knowing that all that's doing is affecting me and all that's doing is allowing someone to carry on doing that rather than dealing with the issue and moving on from it. And since I've started doing work on resentments and things like that, it's only then I've I've known just how many I've had. And they could be really tiny little ones. But I find myself sort of throughout the day now, when they pop up, I'm, I'm able to catch it. Or when someone else is maybe talking a certain way or gossiping or talking about someone a certain way, I, I notice it a lot more now. And it's not up to me to go, you shouldn't do that. But when you have these kind of conversations and I've listened to podcasts where I've reflected back and gone, blimey, I've, I'm carrying quite a few resentments here towards this person or that person or that experience. And we just collect them. And it's not until we can try and just remove some of them that we're able to deal with life in a, in a sort of much healthier manner. Yeah, 100%. And I think what, you know, what you're talking about is, forgive me for speaking for you, is a lot of what you've learned in dealing with addiction, isn't it? And, and mm, Yeah, and, for sure. And overcoming that. And I, and I think Fraser and I are both, uh, both had addiction issues and have both been on a similar sort of path as you've already heard. And I, there's no doubt that throughout this podcast, that's going to be popping up, isn't it? We, mm. What we've learned in, in learning without going down this tangent, learning to, to recover from addiction is, is essentially learning to understand how to handle life better. That that's, that's the nuts and bolts of it. And, and, and an sure element be- for me that, that you spoke on Luke there about emotions and you're likely to cry. One of my big intentions for this is I feel like, the experiences that I've had in my upbringing and a lot of my family are the same. We haven't shown much emotion. You know, we, we push a lot down. We put on a brave face. I still am learning to unlock that. And even if it's a a happy emotion, someone buys me a lovely present at Christmas, I still feel a bit awkward. And like, am I smiling enough here? (laughs) I want them to know that I'm, I'm really happy inside, but I'm not really showing it. And then on the other side, if I'm worried about something or I'm upset, I, again, I'll, I'll deflect that and I won't show it. But I, I actually really want to unlock that part of me. I want to be able to cry in front of my wife at times or in front of my friend or feel genuine joy and happiness without holding back a little bit. And, you know, I'm on <laughs> a funny one here. I'm on holiday with my, my family out here and I, you know, some of them I don't see often. I'd love to have conversations like this with them, but I feel like both of us are sort of still got that guard up and it's like, you're right. Yep. I'm all right. And we've, <laughs> we've grown up like that a little bit and I'd love to be able to continually work on that. So I'm able to have these kind of conversations with, with people, you know, I ha- I'm able to have them with yourself, but hopefully other people as well. I can start yeah. having them. With. Yeah. It, 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 this came up in conversation with, with another project I'm doing recently, but the guy was telling me that he's never, his dad and him have never said that they love each other. Never. And he never hugs his dad. He, I asked him, do you love your dad? And he's like, I, love, <laughs> I, I adore my dad. I've got a great relationship with him. I love him. He's amazing. But I never hug him. I never tell him I love him. He never tells me I love him. 
the best we do is kind of just either a handshake or a little pat on the on the yeah. side and you know I, I i think lots of men relate to that i relate I to am. that and 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 it's weird because now as a dad i can't show my kids enough affection you know probably embarrassing i mean this podcast <laughs> is gonna mortify my two <laughs> elder kids but you know i i probably swamp them in affection and i'm like what happened mate what mm. happened to men like where we got to a point where you you love your dad right but you've never said it and your dad obviously loves you and he's never said it back what the hell happened within our like society communication that's that's mad mm. so we're going to have to di- we're going to have to dive my, into that my my sure. my wife's um, brother and dad I remember when we, we've been together nearly 10 years now and the first time I went round their house and the brother left, um, he, they kissed, they, he kissed his dad. And I was like, this is a bit, it really made me feel weird because I'd never really seen that, but they're actually quite an open uh, sort of family. They hug and they, you know, Stacey will go and lay on her mum and quite affectionate like that, where mine was the complete opposite. And exact same as you, like I... I feel like me and my family members, we know how much we love each other, but there's still that barrier to be crossed <laughs> to actually tell each other or to go and have a, a hug or to go and talk about a certain experience. There's still that little element of it. So even this podcast there, if they listen to that, it might be an indirect way of uh, <laughs> of me not having the uh, the bravery yet. But it's definitely something that I'm working on. It's something that I'm I'm aware of, which is, you know, the start of anything. I think once you become aware, you can actually start working on things. And I'm I'm definitely trying to do that. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess, you know, like just as, as we're, we're, we're talking so much about what this podcast is going to be about, what we're going to try and tackle, we're obviously delving into a little bit about where we're at at the moment ourselves as individuals. But let, let's do that a little bit more, you know, where I obviously know a little bit more about uh, what's coming up for you Fraser particularly but you know where are you at at the moment and uh, you know what's this year been like for you in growth terms lessons learned challenges T- tell people about it I think it's been a really good year for me in terms of in terms of that personal growth um, as I said I'm two years sober now and that that was a big catalyst for me to start actually doing figuring out who I am what I enjoy because I'd always been labeled as the kid that's good at football and when that was taken away it was Right, I don't really know who I am, but I'll just I'll just drink and then, you know, figure it out along the way. But now it's like finding out what I enjoy, who I am. And yeah, it's been a it's been a really good year and people would look at it and go, has it? <laughs> because of what's coming up. But I've managed to get myself into a really good place where I'm I'm doing a lot of yoga and meditation, which has helped. Um, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that I've gone to a 12 step program and that's been a huge influence for me, even though I was a year sober by the time I went there. So I was thinking, oh, I don't, I don't need it because I don't need to stop drinking. I've already stopped. But what that gave me was in, just incredible life lessons. There's one step about removing alcohol. The rest of it was everything that I'd stored up inside me, which has been a game changer for me. And that's also really helped with what is coming up, which is on the 3rd of September, I'll be going in hospital for, you know, I mentioned that I had to retire through a heart condition. I'll be going in for open heart surgery and having a sort of big old operation where 
I have a mechanical valve put in to replace my one and some work done to the main artery of my heart, which before I was really anxious and worried about, and that would make me drink. Um, I start Googling symptoms and watching videos and overthinking and analyzing, worrying. But now I've really come to terms with just surrender is a a real word in, in, you know, in those fellowships, but also a word that you've used with me on a number of occasions, just surrender, letting go, what will be, will be. And I look back at some of the really, it's good for you. And and that there, (laughs) I look back at some of the most difficult moments of my life and they've all served me in such a good way. I look back at some of the really bad games of football that I had where I'd have given every single penny I had to restart that day again so I could just try again. But actually that's, and I'm thinking of one game in particular, but that's the game I now talk to young players about more than any other. It's probably the biggest learning for me was in that one game through alcohol, probably one of the worst things that that I went through, but now it's given me a real purpose this operation that I'm going to go through is good. I know it's going to be a difficult process, but I know and have such faith that there's going to be so many amazing things that come from it. And there already has been some amazing things that have come from it. You know, I've met brilliant people through this. It's allowed me to then still my mind and quieten things down a bit more and go into this operation with really no worries. I'm really comfortable going, you know what? I'm in good hands. What will be, will be. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what, what comes out the other side of it. So that's, um, yeah, that's sort of where, where I've been. And I'll, I'll then flip it on, on its head for you. So what's been, what's been, what's the year? Yeah. What's the year been like for you? Cause I know it's, it's been a, a very busy one for you, mm. um, both professionally and personally. So yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, for, I just, 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 I, I want to say, mate, that I know I've said this to you before, but the way you talk about the fact that you're about to have, open heart surgery it's just I I, I find it really inspiring it's really the calmness and the serenity that you've got with it it's a big deal it's a big deal for everybody and like you're not you're not you're you're feeling it all aren't you you're feeling the the fear the the everything around it but I think it's amazing it's really it's, it's just incredible it just shows what's possible when people go through difficult things in life and they're coming up and and I know we're obviously you know, we'll, I'll be sticking a microphone under your nose as you're coming out of uh, <laughs> surgery to get the next podcast. <laughs> we'll be talking about it more and and hear more about it, which I, I think is going to be amazing. Um, so without trying to patronize you, you know, well done, mate. Yeah, I think it's incredible. You. Where am I at? I'm, I have had a really busy year, personally, professionally, but, but fantastic, fantastic year. I, I have lots of challenges and lots of problems in life. Uh, problem sounds too strong really lots of challenges but I, I freaking love life I really do I love all of it you know one of the great things that's come to me in in sobriety to be perfectly honest is I feel everything the the really shit and I feel the real beauty of life I get a whole lot where it used to be blurred for me I get it all and um, I just see the full color of life in everything and I love that but I guess when you're in that space, I've always got to kind of manage my own my own mental health around the things that, that life can throw at you. And, and for me, particularly around uh, business stuff is 
and I, I'm not, I don't want to make this sound like I, I live in some sort of different world to everyone else. I think everyone experiences this, but there there often feels like in, on the business side, there's lots of what ifs, you know, like business deals that could happen or might not happen. You know, if this happens, then that's going to happen. Financially, there could be big rewards, or and it's always. You know, and I work in sports management and you, you can be managing an athlete who's on top of the world and then in an instant they have a really bad injury and their life changes, you know, not dissimilar to what happened to you. So the what ifs are really big and I have to constantly watch myself. And this year has been as much about this as ever. Watch myself with that dynamic where if I'm constantly playing the game in my head of what ifs, I get into a really bad headspace. And and I think this year has been really good for me to stay on top of that, to go, all I can do in any given situation is just do the next right thing, be the best person I can be. And when I mean best, I mean smartest, most organized, hardworking, kind, considerate, all of it, you know, all, all of it. It's not, not just, it's not about being a doormat and it's also not about being some ruthless business person it's all of it together that is the, that's massive that luke what you just said there i'm sorry to interrupt you but that no go not being a doormat and not being that you know that person that feels like they have to kick the door down it's that that's that's a big part of this what this is all about 100 percent. yeah it's, it's it's that that kind of myth of, of the alpha male you know you have to be a, a ruthless uh, person or or you're going to be a doormat it's not true it's just a total yeah. total load of nonsense but and and just knowing, okay, I, I what I can do is the next right thing in any given moment and just trust what will be. And, uh, you know, we, we use this phrase a lot when we, we talk to each other. It's just get myself out of the way of it. And what mm. I mean by that is like stop trying to micromanage every aspect of life and control every aspect of life and just surrender to what is next, what is next. So you go into call it a business deal I, I do the absolute best I can do in that given moment and then what happens as a result of it is down to a million different variables many of which I have absolutely no control of and and what will be will be you know and then I just do go to the next thing and the next thing and this year has been so much about that just trying to deal with each situation not get too caught up in the future and the past for that matter of going, you know, well, that happened. Mm. It's just dealing with the present all the time. And I think it's the same for everybody, by the way. Like I said earlier, I don't think I'm any, any I'm special in any way or dealing with things that are any much more stressful than anybody else. But um, for me, it feels like that's a real constant challenge for me. I think I think that that element of the what ifs, I think so many of us struggle with that. And then and then that can also lead to if this happens then everything's, you know, when that happens, my life will be okay then. When that happens. And I've got myself, I got myself into that so much as an athlete of, right, if I can just get a move to that club, if I can just be on that amount of money, if I can just, you know, get that relationship. And every time it was like moving the goalposts, I'll be happy then. And in the meantime, not being present, you know, trying to, chase the days away, trying to get there, get there, get there and, and focusing on, you know, the end goal rather than actually enjoying that process. And as you said there at the beginning, like, I just love the way you describe life like, with the good and the bad. And I remember that that podcast that we talked about earlier when I first listened to yours. I remember I remember writing in my notes afterwards, I think you said, um, 
one of the best things about stopping drinking is you get your feelings back. One of the worst things about stopping <laughs> drinking is you get your feelings back feelings because back. you do feel it all. You can't mask the pain anymore, but it also allows you to genuinely feel the happiness. So yeah, it's it's, it's like I, I think if if you you gave someone the option, like I, I'm going to give you an option now, life can continue to be quite blurry and grey, or I'm going to give you the option of being able to see the most phenomenally bright, beautiful colours of life of everything, but you're also going to have to see all the darkness as well. <laughs> what would you do? You know, and it, it's that kind of place that you, that somebody gets into, but I wouldn't swap it for the world. You know, I want to feel all mm. and, and everything. Uh, there's so many, I, I was the same as you. I used to have in my mind, you know, it's just around the corner, just over the, over the hill. Once, once we get there, once I get that money, we'll be good. Once, once, once we live there, then we'll be happy. Or when, once this happens, and I, I, I now look at people not necessarily in my life, but around my life, who who are constantly in that headspace. And it sort of upsets me because it's like life is passing them by, you mm. know, and they're lost in the what ifs, you know, and just round the corner. And it's, we don't, none of, tomorrow's not promised to any of us, you know, and it's like, well, if we left the, the earth today, what would we be leaving behind for our kids? And, you know, I'm not talking about material things. I mean, about who we are and what we stand mm. for. And if you, you spend your whole life looking for what's next, which is which is what I certainly used to do, and by the sounds of it, you did as well, you're just literally just burning time, aren't you? Just burning mm. time going, well, it will, it will improve in a little bit. And I just, yeah, I'm grateful that I've got out of that trap and can now be present into to what is and enjoy life in its full colour and darkness <laughs> at times, but more colour than darkness nowadays. So, mate, how are you feeling? We're sort of coming to the end. How, how do you feel now? Uh, we've we've managed to get through our first episode without a microphone falling over some sort of technical difficulty how do you feel that's I feel really good that's that's the main one I was worried about is actually getting the technical side sorted but no I what I what I love about these conversations and we've done this when we've gone for lunch or sat around together is my phone's been over there on the on the desk for over an hour now and there's not one part of me that's thought I wonder if I've got a message or I wonder, I, I really feel engaged when I'm talking here and present. And that's all I want. I want to feel that in every moment that I can. And I'm, I'm working on it to, to do that and really be present for all those moments. And that's, yeah. And I, and I now feel almost energized and charged up to go and I hate using that phrase, but, but it is right to go and be the best, you know, dad that I can be or best husband that I can be now. I've, I've addressed certain things in here and probably even without knowing, got a lot off my chest um, just because of this sort of safe space that's created. And I feel really confident that I'm going to go and have a really good day now. Uh, so I feel really content. How about you? Yeah, brilliant. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, exactly the same as you. I, don't, I, I, I love this. I love that we've got underway. Uh, I'm, I'm slightly sad that people never got to see your Peppa Pig um, <laughs> headphones, which was our first attempt. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I can't wait, mate. It's good. We've got it underway. Thank you for listening to the, the first ever Understanding Men podcast. Like I said earlier, you can come and speak to 
Fraser and I about it on all social media platforms, but the podcast is going to have its own account uh, on all the social media platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. There might be other ones that get invented in the meantime. Fraser's our social media man, so he's going to be on top of that. So come and come and find it on there. And please, let's make this as interactive as we can. We, we definitely don't have all the answers. Whether you agree with us or disagree with us, I welcome your comments. And if there are particular things you want us to talk about, you can comment on the post or just message privately and we'll absolutely dive in there. So so please feel feel free to do that. And if you've liked what you've heard, then please go ahead and press the follow button so you never miss an episode. And lastly, if you're listening on the Apple podcast, please could you leave a review and a five-star rating if that's possible. Just If, if we just get someone more than Fraser's mum's, uh, Fraser's mum and my mum <laughs> leaving reviews, that would be great. <laughs> so Fraser, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening, listening and watching and uh, goodbye for now. We'll see you next week. <laughs>